Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit us at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into today's study. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer and Bible study. We thank you for your word, and we ask for enlightenment and understanding as we break down your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's study is entitled, Present with the Lord. Our passage for this study comes to us from 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8 which says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. This passage is one that many people interpret in very interesting ways. And we're going to take a look at this passage. So what we're going to do for this study is, from the King James Version, which is what we use all the time, I'm going to read the verses, and then we're going to discuss each verse so that we can um, rightly understand what is being presented here. Okay. Now, there are a couple of contextual things. There are a couple of things I want to point out. One, I'm going to pretty much read sentences. So that means that I'm going to read, for instance, verse 1, which is a whole sentence, then verses 2 and 3, which is a sentence together, and so forth, right? I'm not going to interpret things in the middle of a sentence most of the time. I don't expect to. That's one. Two, we need to remember that these letters, these are epistles, right? So I'm going to point it out later on as we go through this discourse. But let's remember that the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians. This is his second letter to the Corinthians, and he wrote a previous letter to the Corinthians where he highlighted certain things and those and how he wrote before and what he meant when he wrote before is very pertinent to what he's writing now. Okay? Very pertinent to what he's writing now. We're going to want to rightly understand those things. Okay. So let's begin. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Okay. The word this is supplied by the translators. Okay. If our earthly house of tabernacle, they supplied it because it's helpful, were dissolved, we have a building of God. So for whatever reason... Paul is discussing the human body in terms of the tabernacle. Now, he's not the only apostle to do it. Peter spoke about his tabernacle and how he was soon going to put off his tabernacle. So 
throughout the different letters, Paul talks about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's not a new thing. It's not an odd thing. But he's discussing the body, the human body, in terms of a tabernacle. Okay. So we know that we don't have to worry about our earthly mortal bodies because God has prepared for us a glorious body, right? Like unto Christ's glorious body, he says elsewhere. Verse 2, For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Okay. So he's using a lot of figurative language here. Being clothed upon, if you remember in his previous letter to the Corinthians, he talked about this mortal shall put on immortality, right? So he described the acquisition of the glorified body in a twinkling of an eye as the putting on of something better. Okay. Therefore, he says that we're desirous of immortality, we're eager, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our heavenly house, our immortal bodies, so that we won't be found naked, right? Therefore, nakedness is death. We're hoping to move from the one phase, because nakedness is where you lose this body but don't gain anything else, right? You're dead. Your body disintegrates and you await the resurrection where you get the new body. Or, you know, if you didn't die, then it would be translation where you get the new body. But death brings you to a place where you don't have a body. It disintegrates. There is no immortal soul floating about. You just lose the body that's housing all of this consciousness. Okay? And so then you're unconscious and unhoused. So we are eager for immortality, which Paul describes as life, which will swallow up mortality. Okay. We want to be clear about that. Death is described as being unclothed, and it's a condition that Paul shows to be undesirable. So we want to move from having this mortal body, the present life, to losing the mortal body, the sleep of death, to having a heavenly body that's prepared for us, which is the glorified body at the resurrection, okay? Verse 4. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that we should be unclothed, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life, okay? So he wants mortality to be swallowed up of immortality, Okay? immortality. Verse 5, now he that hath wrought for us the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. So he's saying that God has prepared, he gave us this mortal body, and he's prepared, you know, he's prepared to give us the immortal body. Um, but in the meantime, what we have is the promise, the earnest of the Spirit, okay, pledge of eternal life. So we have the pledge. We do not have the eternal life now in a certain sense. In a certain sense, the promise of eternal life now starts now. It begins. We can enjoy the abundant life starting now. But technically, we don't have it, right? We are accepting it and enjoying it by faith until it actually occurs. We, that's, that's why it's called the blessed hope, because there's something yet in the future to be 
acquired, okay? But he's saying that God set this up. He's given us our mortal bodies. He's made this promise for us of the immortal body. And he's given us the earnest. He's pledged it by the Holy Spirit. Okay, verse 6. Here's the tricky verse. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. That's not a whole sentence, so I'm going to continue. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Okay, sentence complete. Okay, so we're confident that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Now, a lot of people immediately say that he's talking about the physical body. But he has been describing the physical body in terms of a metaphor. He's been discussing this in terms of a tabernacle. The whole time, we of this tabernacle do groan. Right? Why would he shift to the body? His use of the term the body is not referring to the human body here. This doesn't make sense if it is referring to the human body for a couple of reasons. Okay? Because if it's referring to the human body, he just said that we're going to be clothed upon with a body from heaven. So we're never going to be absent from a body. To be present with the Lord, we're going to have a glorified body. And he says, the body. He doesn't say this body, right? Because remember when he was talking about the tabernacle, this tabernacle versus uh, a permanent tabernacle. Okay? This tabernacle, a permanent tabernacle. Now, granted, in fairness, the this in both verse 1 and verse 4, where it says this tabernacle, is supplied by the translator because it is more obvious in the Greek than in the English, and the English needs to have that pointer made. But the when we come to the phrase, the body, in verse 6, and also in verse 8, that article, that definite article, is present in Greek. Okay? The body that he's referring to here is the body of believers. Okay? This is the body of believers. While we are at home in the body, we're not present with the Lord. We're here. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. If we were with the body and present with the Lord, we'd be walking by sight. But because we're walking by faith, we're here. While the Christian church is in militant mode, we are here on earth. And he says in verse 8, we are confident and willing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We serve a particular function as the body of Christ now. And Paul's emphasis is, we would love to be away from this phase of existence to be with God, not just representing him here on earth, but to be with him. So the body that he's using is talking about the body of Christ. And how do I know this? Okay, well, that's a good question. How can we prove this? The word used for body in these passages is the same word used for the physical body in lots and lots and lots of passages. That word is broad. It actually means the body figuratively or literally. And so it's used for the physical body 
in lots and lots and lots of places in, in the New Testament. But it's also used in the following context. Romans 12, 5, this is the same Apostle Paul. He says, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. That word body is the same word that's used in our passage in 2 Corinthians 5. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10. So not only are we in the same, with the same apostle, but it's to the same people earlier. For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Okay, the word body there is the same word that's being used. It represents the body figuratively and literally. So sometimes it, does, it is used in the Bible to mean a human body. But it is also used in this other context, and I'm pointing out a number of times where it is used in this context, specifically the body of Christ. Okay, so far though, the instances we have are one body, one body. Ephesians 4.4, 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. Okay, Colossians 1.18, it says, for he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. 1 Corinthians 12. This is important. 1 Corinthians 12. Remember, this is the previous letter given to the same people that are hearing this second letter. In 1 Corinthians 12, there are lots of occurrences of the word body. I'm going to capture some of them here, starting at verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, right? This is really referring to a physical body, a regular body. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Here it is. He takes the body and metaphorically, figuratively, makes it Christ and his church. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Then he goes on in verses 15, 16, 17 to talk about the eye and the foot and the air. Okay. Then in verse 18, it says, But now hath God set the members of every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. All the way down to verse 27. There are other instances, but we're going to skip down to verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Okay. So, the Corinthians, who have received this letter previously from Paul, where he makes this significant figurative scenario for them about them, the church broadly, but the letters to them, about them being the body of Christ, okay? When they read, when they go and read what we have in 2 Corinthians 5, 6, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, their first thought would not have been the physical body, which he had just spent a bunch of time talking about this tabernacle. They would have understood it as the body of believers. 
We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. He's not saying that as soon as you leave the church body, you end up in heaven. He's not. He can't be saying it that way because the people who believe that he's saying that also believe that you go up to heaven in a spirit form, which can't be the case because Paul has just gotten through saying that God has prepared a body for us, a tabernacle for us, a house for us from the heavens, right? So he's using, it's it's really pronounced when you think about it. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul takes our physical bodies and metaphorically makes them into a building. And then he takes the body of believers, the church, as it were, which we would think of as a physical structure, and he makes it into a human body. Because these are two themes that he had all the time. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we collectively are the body of Christ. It turns both of the concepts on their head. Okay. So Paul has just spent all his time talking about this tabernacle and our earthly house in verses 1, 2, and 4. And then he talks about this body. And then he talks about the body. In the two verses that we've cited, he talks about the body. He doesn't say our body or this body. So he's referring to the body of believers. Okay? Now let's keep going. Verse 9. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now it's interesting, verse 10 uses body in the physical form, and again, his is supplied. Why? Because in the Greek, Paul does not supply the definite article the, as was done in verses 6 and 8. So contextually, body here is the individual. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, the things we've done as individuals, according as he hath done, whether it be good or bad. He's talking about the judgment. Okay, In verse 8, he's saying he's willing to be absent from the body of believers and to be present with Christ. And in verse 9, he says, we work in Christ that no matter where we are, whether with the body of believers or absent from them, we will be accepted of God because there's a judgment coming. This is what verse 10 is emphasizing. And we will all have to give an account for what we have done. Okay. You can choose to see verses 6 and 7, the, the term body in 6 and 7, referring to the human body, which contextually it does not. And from the letter that Paul already gave to the Corinthians, they would easily see that it did not. But there's no way to conclude that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, because that's not exactly what he said. He said, we are confident and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present. He does not say that to be absent makes you present with the Lord. He says we are confident and we're willing 
to be the one and the other, to be absent so that we can be present. But he does not say that as soon as we become absent, we automatically become present. Does not say that. Because there's a judgment. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're not going to be judged individually. Well, let me rephrase that. We're not going to be judged on individual schedules. Right? There is a judgment day. Every time you see in the Bible that the judgment is set, it's set and then everybody is passed before God in judgment. The dead don't know anything and they don't go anywhere. And that's what this passage and the usage of language here should convey to us. Paul is not discussing automatically going to heaven. In fact, he talks, he mentions the fact that death, here's the important thing to understand. He mentions the fact that death is nakedness and it's a shameful condition and we want to be clothed upon. And that being clothed upon, which he doesn't emphasize here, but he did emphasize in the previous lesson to the same group of people, the Corinthians, he emphasized that resurrection was required before we came in the presence of God. Okay? That we don't just go in death and show up someplace else. That their resurrection or translation where mortality puts on immortality must transpire before we can be in the presence of God. Any interpretation of this passage that allows you to just end up in the presence of God in death is invalid because metaphorically nakedness would be involved. And nakedness is always deemed as shamefulness except in one case. And that's where Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. And that's because we find out later that they didn't have a garment of human devising on they were clothed in robes of righteousness. So we're always, we always need to be clothed with something that God has provided. And whenever we're lacking that, there's nakedness. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Yeah, we're eager for it. He said that in verse 2. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Desiring it. But that time, as Paul expounded on greatly in 1 Corinthians 15, that time is at the time of the resurrection. Paul is not suddenly teaching the Corinthians some new thing that is in contradiction to what he told them in the previous letter to them. He is building on the information that he told them. They already have a letter from him. They're not going to suddenly interpret these passages in a totally different way. When we're studying the Word of God, when we're reading the Word of God, we have to apply new information on top of old information. The previous information that was given is the basis for the next set of information that comes along. And Paul already clearly outlined how the resurrection works, how mortality goes to immortality. And so nothing he says here will contradict what he had told them 
before. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we've had to go through this particular passage. We know that it has been a challenging one or is a challenging one for many, and we pray that you'll help us, uh, that we'll better understand it as we go from here. We hope that this was enlightening for those who will come across it. In Jesus' name, we ask all of the blessings that you have for us. Amen and amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can reach us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. We also ask that you take some time to check out the True Wisdom Bible Study podcast, which is presented in a discussion format. Both of these podcasts can be found on Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you normally obtain your podcasts. And don't forget to lift up these ministries in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word. Thank you.